this is a very strong, uh, encouraging thing for us. Uh, it, it can be hard sometimes listening to things that you know, uh, maybe like, like especially for me, if I need to work on something, like uh, I don't necessarily like to hear or listen to somebody else tell me what I need to work on. Um, but I guess if it's God, it's okay for him to tell me. <laughs> uh, but when my wife tells me what I need to work on, no matter how right she is, it just burns. I don't know. <laughs> I love her for it, though, because I, I don't know. It's just she's right. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for helping me with that. I appreciate it. Um, so, anyways, I'm, I'm going to be talking from a few different scriptures today. Uh, the first one that we're going to be is First John chapter four, uh, verses seven. Uh, through 21. Uh, and today it's, it's, I'm going to be talking about love. And uh, this is the kind of love that comes from God. Uh, God is love. God is really, he really is the definition of what love is. And unfortunately today we live in a world that has taken love and what love is and made it about something that God didn't really intend for it to be. Um, it is very over-sexualized, and it is not necessarily what the same kind of love that God gives us, right? Especially when we look at it from the world's point of view. Now, when we come into a relationship with God, and we have a Savior, and we experience the type of love that he has for us, we understand what the difference is, right? But we still face a lot of pressure of this world um, telling us that love is not what God says it is, telling us that it's something different, that it's sexual or that it's um, maybe one-sided or, or whatever it is. Like, there's a lot of things where we can look at it and, and say, well, that's not how God intended love to be, you know? And we face a lot of different problems with lust and immorality um, that that are not just something that, you know, I don't know. I see a lot of stuff like that. There's so much pressure on teenagers. You know, being the youth pastor, I see this a lot. There's so much pressure on teenagers um, in in that sort of area, especially with the house bill that Pastor Scott's been bringing up a lot lately. And um, you know, they are they are are pushed and prodded and poked with with this um, agenda that the world has, uh, and and pushing what they want us to view sexuality to be, rather than what God has said that it is. But really. When we break it down to the way that God is and, and who God is and his love, it really is not very much about sexuality at all. It's about truly just having love for another person. Uh, the closest thing that I have ever experienced to that for myself is having love for my own son. And and I really think that that's the, the best way that us on earth can, can get to understanding what that is. Um, uh, outside of God intervening in your life and being enlightened and having your your uh, your perspective changed by God renewing your mind through his scripture and through spending time with him and understanding who he is so that we can therefore turn around and go spread love uh, to other people. And it doesn't become a chore where we say like, well, I feel like I need to do this because it's the right thing to do, you know, like we shouldn't have that attitude about it, right? If we really do understand what love is, it won't be a burden to share it with other people. It won't be a burden to um, give that love to other people. And another thing with this is, man, I find it, uh, I think sometimes, especially if we, we don't stay in a routine of reading our Bible and praying, if we don't stay in a routine of spending time with God and letting him fill us up, we end up trying to just pour ourselves out to other people, and then we're just empty, and, and we don't have anything else to fill us up with, right? Uh, we, we pour all of ourselves on other people, and at the end of the day, if we don't have God to fill us back up, uh, we just get frustrated. We get bitter. We get cold. Uh, you know, people who are our friends or even our spouses, we end up, like, not showing love to them at all because we don't understand where love comes from. We don't understand the source of love. Uh, and, and that comes from God. And, and it seems like sometimes it's easiest uh, that the people closest to us end up getting, the, getting ignored or getting frustrated. We get frustrated with them or, you know, they'd feel the love the least uh, because we feel like, oh, well, they, you know, like, especially with a spouse, you're like, well, I told them I loved them when I married them and that should be good. Enough. You know, like, uh, that's not the way that it should be. We should continuously uh, be uh, being filled up by God so that we can have a source for love to love other people. Um, because like I said before, I think without that, we bend towards not loving people. 
isn't it easy to bend towards that? It's easy to bend towards selfishness. It's so easy to be selfish sometimes. You're like, ah, this obviously benefits me if I'm selfish, you know, uh, so why not? You know, or, or it's, easy to, it's easy to not care about somebody else because it might be out of our way. It might be frustrating or you might worry about, you know, what might happen as a situation. There's, I think it was like two weeks ago, there's somebody in the parking lot when I showed up and um, they were working on their car and they were trying to figure out how to do the brakes, but they didn't have any tools because I guess he thought they were in the back of his truck, but they weren't, something like that. And I had a toolkit, and I was like, wow, let's use my tools. And there was part of me that was like, well, first of all, I'm doing this because it's an opportunity for that person to see the love of Christ, right? Uh, and I'm a nice person. I want to be a nice person, you know? Um, and But I want them to see, like, you know, they're in a church parking lot. They shouldn't get, you know, like, what are you doing here? You need to go do this somewhere else. Or, you know, like, I don't know. Sometimes we have th- thoughts like that. And, like, where does that come from? Like, where, why, would, why do we think that? Because we should be thinking with love towards other people. And, like, so I, I'm doing that. I, I bring him the toolkit and everything like that. I'm like, let me know if you need any help or whatever and, and, and whatnot. And, um, and so uh, part of me was, like, like, he easily could just, like, drive away with, with all my tools. You know, I don't know this person. I don't know you know, what his intentions are or whatever. Um, but I was willing to risk that because I wanted this person to know that people are genuinely full of Christ's love for for people, right? Like that it really, that's that's the way that we should act, right? That's the way God created us to be. Um, so so anyways, he totally finished up and, and fixed it and he uh, was taking a while. So I went out there because I'm like, I think I would have been done with both sides right now. And he's only done half of one. So I went out there and asked him if he needed help or whatever. And I saw that he was struggling with something. So then I showed him a trick on how to do it because he didn't have I didn't have all the tools that he could have used to make it the easiest thing in the world. So I tr- showed him a trick and he ended up doing that, finishing it and doing the second side like really fast because he knew that. And um, anyways, he brought it back in and I was in the drum cage, so I didn't get to talk to him, although I would have liked to, but he came back in. He was like very thankful. Mike actually talked to him when he came back in. Uh, and, and I just think about that situation like, man, it just seems like so much around us, especially if you listen to the news and you listen to, um, you know, talk radio or uh, any type of media outlet. It just seems like there's so much around us where, man, it is so easy to be selfish. It's so easy to be full of yourself. It's so easy to just focus on you. And and why? Why? Why do we do that when we have access to this love that is so unconditional that it flows through us so that other people can see God? Right? Like, and, and so I was processing this as, as I was reading through uh, the scripture. Um, and uh, so we're going to read through this and... Um, I've got two more scriptures after this that I want to kind of just break down and talk through. Um, but First John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who, um, who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he, got, that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to, wake our, uh, to take away our sins. Uh, and so this is, this is telling us here, like, God really is the source of all love. And, and to say that, that you don't know God, but you love somebody, that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And, and, and that's purely, obviously, a worldly view of what love is. Because if you're saying that you love somebody, but you don't know God or you don't have a relationship with him, you don't respect God, uh, you don't live for him, whatever that is, then according to this, you don't actually know what love is because you don't know who God is. And, and so uh, I, I think that that's a, a very strong foundational point to start off when we talk about love. Uh, going on from verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God but, and, and this is the part that I love so much. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Isn't that amazing? Like, no one has ever seen God, but if we let God's love live inside of us, right, God's love, if we let God inside of us, his love is brought to full expression through us, right? So, so according to this, the way that God shows himself the way that God shows his love to other people is through people, right? So, so we are obligated and responsible for sharing love with other people, 
right? Because if we don't do it, it doesn't happen. God is not going to come down into this earth and show himself to somebody and say, well, no one else is doing it, so I'm going to come here and do it, right? That It's not going to happen, right? God uses us to show his love to other people. So we as Christians, as those who have experienced the love of God, should feel a, a, a calling as a Christian. We should feel obligated. We should feel pride in being able to go out and say, let me show you who Jesus is. Let me show you who God is by showing you his love. Right, Because love is God. God is love. And as God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in um, all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. It's kind of some tricky reading right here. <laughs> um, uh, and, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Man, I don't know if that like speaks to any of you guys, but like, how awesome is it going to be when you can go before God and not be afraid of judgment because you've lived in his love here on this earth? Right, like, like I feel like even even as as a as a youth pastor, sometimes as you know somebody who's devoted my career to teaching other people this, you know, because as a Christian, like everybody who has like you've given your life to to God, it's not just like I'm a pastor. I gave my life to like everybody gives their life to Jesus, right? Everybody chooses to live their life for Christ, just like I have. Um, but you know, in my situation, there's sometimes where I'm like, God, I know that I'm living for you, but I'm still afraid of what you're going to tell me when I get up there. I'm still afraid of what you're going to say that I did wrong. Like, God, I know I'm doing right stuff for you, and I know I'm trying, but surely I could be doing better, and I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of, of what might show up in, in, in the conversation between me and God when, when I stand before him, and he, he reveals all the things that, that are good and, and everything else is burned away, right? You know, and, and there's another scripture that even says that, that some people are going to make it to heaven as though uh, a person just escaping a fire, Right. You know, like your house burns down and, and your room is on fire. And the only way you're going to save yourself is to jump out the window. And so you're standing out in the front yard in your pajamas because that's the only thing. That's that's my picture of what happens to some people when they make it to heaven. Right. Um, and, and, and sometimes I'm afraid of that. You know, like I'm going to everything's going to be burned away and all it's going to be left is, is the good things I did, which, which you know, great. You know, but but sometimes I'm afraid of that. But but this gives me hope. And it's, you know, in saying that. Uh, you know, we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world, right? Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And if this shows, uh, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Man, perfect love expels all fear. If we really are afraid of that judgment, if we really are afraid of, of you know, consequences that are going to happen, um, then obviously this is telling us right here that we have a check in our spirit with experience God's love, right? So if you have fear about something, if you have anxiety over a certain thing, it, it, which is I think is caused by fear, we need to do a little bit more praying and a little bit more time on our knees before God and, and saying, let me understand what your love is. Let me understand who you are. Fill me with your love. Fill me with you. Live in me so that I can live in you. You know, just like it says so many times in that verse so far, so that we don't have to be afraid, so that we can boldly and confidently go before God without fear of judgment. That is the place that we should be. Right? We should not be afraid of the time that we're going to come before God because it should be a joyous time where, where we're going to become completely full and, and made 100% right in his eyes. And we're going, to be, we're going to experience love in a way that we never can here on this earth. Right? It's, going to be made, it's going to become complete. It's like we're in this journey all along trying to see who God is. And God is pouring out his love on us so that we can pour out our love on others. And when we finally get to that completion, it's going to be the culmination of all of this together. And, and it's just going to be perfect love. It's going to be perfect love. And that's such an exciting thing, right? It's not, uh, it's not like I'm scared of being judged. It's not like I'm scared of the things like, like it's going to be made complete. 
when we come up to be with Jesus. And, and man, that's such a cool, uh, a cool thing to think about and so important for us to think about. Um, but again, you know, if, if we're at the place where we're afraid, it says if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. If we're afraid of that punishment, then, then we need to spend some time. First of all, maybe there's something that you are doing that you should be afraid of. Like, right, God is a powerful God, and there's a reason that you should fear God. Because if you start doing the wrong thing, like, he has the ability to just, you know, flick you off the earth. Although the earth isn't flat, but he still can do it somehow. Um, you know, like, God has that ability, so we should be afraid, you know. But that tells you, like, you got something that you need to take care of. You got something that you need to check out in your own life. Like, hey, you need to stop doing this or, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to convict you. Because if you're afraid of something, then there's something going on legitimately, right? But you need to understand that that there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you have done that's going to disqualify you from being in the place of God's love, right? So um, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we do not love people... We can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Now, this is where I think it really comes down to um, us practically. Because I know there's probably been times in my life, I, I, I know there have, where I've said, God, I love you, you know, fully. Like, I will never not love God. I will never not you know, want to love God, but at the same time, I can turn to somebody else and, and really be frustrated with that person and not show love to that person, right? I can, I can see somebody, you know, I don't even know, and, and it seems easier in that point when you don't have a physical contact with that person or any type of relationship to say, to, to not have that caring type of love for them, to not love that person. Um, and now, now this is specifically speaking towards Christian brother or sister, right? So, but, but think about that, like, Man, we have to guard ourselves because if there's somebody else that's a part of the church that is doing something that you're not necessarily happy about, right, we can get frustrated with other people in the church. We can, we can write them off. You know, we could say, like, I know you're going to church and everything, but I'm just going to pretend you're not here because you're frustrating me, you know? Right? We're like, I, I know we're, we're all going to church and we're supposed to be here together and be a family, but in order for my own sanity, I'm just going to, nope. You know, like, why show that? You know, if you, <laughs> if someone says, I love God, but hate a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. They are a liar. For if we do not love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And then he commands us, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. And this goes back to um, what I was saying earlier about, man, it just seems like the place we live in right now if we get complacent, if we are stagnant in just showing up to church and sitting and listening and becoming fat Christians, you know, all you're doing is sitting and eating and you're not doing any exercise with your Christianity. If that's all we're doing, we get into a place where it's easy to look at somebody and say, I can't believe what they're doing. I would never do that. And all we're doing is sitting here and just not doing anything, right? And, and, I'm not, like, I'm not saying this to, like, call somebody out and be like, you need to start doing stuff and loving people. Like, that's not it. But, but I can see that this can be an easy place to get into. This can be such an easy place to get into. And, and what you do is when you're just sitting there and you're being complacent and you're not truly letting the love of God flow through you, you're becoming something that just becomes a overflowing pitcher that never does anything. God is continually pouring into you, and you just get stopped up. You get spiritually constipated, right? Like, like that's not healthy, right? I know that's a weird analogy. We'll stop using it right now. But, <laughs> but that's what happens, right? And when that happens, we rob ourselves from the experience of letting God's love, letting God come to full expression through us so that other people can actually see who God is. Because like I said at the beginning, God is not going to come down and say, well, this person, nobody, I can't get anybody to show you my love, so I'm going to show Like, he's not going to do that. God uses people to show himself to other people because when we are filled with his love, when we live in him and he lives in us, his love is brought to full expression through us. And that's how people know who God is. That's how people understand, like, like you don't, 
you realize when that happens, you don't have to argue with somebody about why you need to be a Christian. You don't have to come up with a, a theological debate on why they need to go to church. Because when God's love is brought to full expression through you, they'll see for themselves, right? You don't have to convince somebody. You don't have to, witnessing doesn't become sitting down and having an argument with somebody to try to argue them into salvation, right? It's not like, I can't leave until you say this prayer, right? It's, it's something where God's love is brought to full expression through you because you live in him and he lives in you. And that person sees the character of God and who God is for all truth and all, of right, all, all that is right and everything in that. Right, And then they see for themselves why they need to be in a relationship with Jesus. And you don't have to worry about it. You know, I think about this in the, in the way of the Holy Spirit and, and the power that we have through baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right, Because speaking in tongues, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is the empowerment for ministry. And I think about it like that. Like if we spent our time being filled with the Holy Spirit and being filled with God, praying in tongues and, and being regularly filled with the Holy Spirit... How much easier it is to convince somebody that they need to that they need Jesus when you can pray for them and they're healed, or or when God gives you a word and, and and you listen to the Holy Spirit and you be obedient, even though it seems totally weird that you might go up to that person and tell them, I feel like God is saying this right now, right? How much easier it is is it to witness to people when you can actually show them that God is real rather than try to tell them that God is real? Right? Does that make sense? Like like I said, witnessing doesn't have to be sitting down and having an argument with somebody, right? And the more that we're filled with God's love, the more that we're filled with this Holy Spirit, the more that we are going to hear the things that God is already trying to do. And he says, look, I'm trying to do this right now, and all I need is you to step alongside me because I use people. I don't do it myself. And all we have to do is say, yes, Lord, and be obedient to that. And people begin to see God for who he is, and, and they understand. They understand why they need Jesus. It's an amazing thing. My next verse is Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read uh, verses 21 through 26. And this is actually talking about anger. And, uh, and I really do think that anger is kind of the, the opposite of love. Um, I, I mean, I would also say hatred, but I really do think that that's, that's the direction that it goes. When you start walking away from love, you start stepping into anger and hatred and frustration and, and all of these things. Um, and, and, and I want to say that this is the place that you can find yourself in if you're complacent. This is a place that you could find yourself in if you don't, you know, continually let yourself be filled up with God, if you don't continually commit yourself to loving others the way that God loves you. And it says this, uh, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder, for if you commit murder, you will be subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are angry with somebody, you are subject to, subject, to, subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Guys, this is the place that we are in danger of being if we don't let God's love live inside of us. If we're not living in God, this is the place that you're going to find yourself. In this place of being represented before God for judgment. Right, if you if you find yourself in this place, like the, these are not good things. It's like the judgment of God. It's the dangers of the fires of hell. It says so. If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar, now this is in the context of the law of Moses. If you are if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled with that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. Now, there's situations in here where if we try to bring them into our own context, right? We don't offer sacrifices anymore, you know. But, but here's the thing. If you are getting ready to go before God and you have anger in your heart towards somebody else, fix that before you come before God so that you can come before God purely with a clear conscience. Right? Take care of that. And, and even how it says about court, like, there may be situations where you find yourself in, like, you have an opportunity to either choose God which is love, or choose yourself and selfishness, 
right? Because you can say, like, I would rather have it this way because this person hurt me and I need justice. Or you can say, this person really needs the love of God, right? And, and it may hurt you. It may not be most beneficial for you in this worldly terms here on this earth, right, to do something like that. But when you look at it, there's opportunities all over the place to choose God's, all over the place to choose God's love rather than choosing our own self, choosing our own desires or, or whatever. And, and hopefully our own desires will line up with God's love, right? It, hopefully it's not a, a decision that we're making that like, I really want to do this right now, but I guess I'll choose God's love. You know, like we should receive joy in that. Like I think if we really understand God's love, right, it, it's something that should should bring uh, joy. In it. it doesn't mean that the decision is going to be easy, but I really do think it's going to be something that brings us peace, something that brings us joy. Um, you know, we have to be careful of finding ourselves being caught in anger, especially in the church. Like it was saying in the previous verse, you know, Christian brothers and sisters, if you, like, of all the people that we could be frustrated with, of all the people that we can find hatred towards, the, the church should be the last place, right? Now, it shouldn't be any place at all, but you would think that a bunch of people that are gathered together in the name of Jesus and and who are all filled with the love of God, you, you would think that this would be the last place that you would see that. But, at, you know, I'm not going to say here we are because I'm not, I don't think anybody, you know, I'm not trying to call anyone out like I'm saying, but but it happens. It really does. We have to be so proactive against it because if we don't, it just creeps in, right? Like Satan is such a liar. He's so manipulative that that if we're not, actively seeking God and being filled with his love, Satan's going to try to like slip in those little lies and those little things that tell us like, oh, that person actually thinks they're better than you. And that's why they're doing that. You know, that person is actually doing that as as a thing against you. And then we get this bitterness that builds up and, and soon it turns into hatred. Right? We have to be so careful about that stuff because God created us to love. He created us, like, literally just to be conduits of his love so that we can reach other people. We have to be so careful to guard ourselves against hatred. I just find it, I don't know, I find it so easy, you know, listening to uh, talk radio and listening to the news and, and, and stuff that goes around. It's so easy to just, like, I don't know, I feel like it's just a bunch of hatred and I feel like it's contagious. I feel like it's just a bunch of undermining and, and manipulation and and like if if that's what you're putting in your life, like as much as you might want to know what's going on in the country and everything like that, like if you're finding yourself in a place where you're getting mad at other people or you're getting frustrated, like I'm telling you, it's a lie from Satan. It, it is a tool that he is using to to change this country. I really do think that, right? You know, it's it's crazy. And the answer to that is is God's love, right? And and if we can't if you're not filled with God's love and, and you're listening and you're getting changed by what we're putting into our minds, by what we're allowing ourselves to hear, by the, the conversations that we're allowing ourselves to get into, then we need to take a step back from that. We need to really guard what's going on in our own life because we were created for God's love. We weren't created for that. Right? And and that's that's part of the reason why I think this that this was so strong in my heart when I was putting this together is because, man, it just seems like it's so easy right now to be filled with hate. It's so easy right now to just be filled with that that idea of manipulation. And, like, our country is just, I don't even know. <laughs> you know, like, to, to hear all the things that are going on and, and the thing, like, like forget about morality. We're going to do whatever it takes to get the answer that we want. Right? And we, we strongly need an opposition to that. We strongly need an opposition to that. And that, that is one benefit to actually knowing what's going on is to understand how much we need it, to understand how much we need a God that is going to step into the lives of people so that they can be used to show other people his love, right? And, and, and choosing love in the, in the eyes of this world and with everything that's going on might not give you the result that, that this world might say would be the best result, but it's going to make an impact eternally. It's going to make an impact eternally, and that's really what matters. Now, the last verse is uh, more of a popular verse. It's 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, it's, you know, uh, a lot of people refer to it as the love chapter um, because that's exactly what it speaks about. And, and this, all, this all points towards the heart behind this. 
It all points towards the attitude that we have behind sharing Jesus with other people or, or even your attitude behind choosing to be a Christian, choosing to follow Jesus, right? You know, like more than just the Jesus, I need you to come into my life prayer, but God, every day I'm going to stand up and live my life for you. Like that's what we're talking about here. And, and, and this is the heart behind it. And it says, if I could speak in the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, it would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I did not love others, it would be nothing. It would be nothing. Man, I I think that so many times we seek these things rather than love, right? And these things are actually a result of love. But instead of going to the source, instead of going to God, who is love, we say, I want to be able to have discernment. I want to be able to have the ability to uh, speak prophecies, right? I want to be able to speak in tongues. I want to be able to, you know, communicate with other people, you know, all of this stuff. But if we don't have love, then there's, there's nothing, There's nothing that's there because love should be the foundation of all of these things. It says, if I have everything I have, if I give everything that I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Man, there's a lot of times where I have to sit down and and think because there are times where it's so easy for me to get irritable. And this goes back to saying, like, especially with the people that are closest to us, that we tell so much that we love. But at the same time, man, I I find it hard because I can get irritable pretty quick if if I'm not in the word, if I'm not in God's love, if I'm not giving myself, laying myself down before him to be filled by him. Man, I can get so irritable. And I know that that's a problem. Like, I, I 100% can tell the difference. If I haven't spent time in the word of God, if I haven't spent time praying, like, literally that next day, I can, I can tell. It's like a, a switch has flipped. I can get angry. I can get irritable with the people that are close to me that I, I would never want to. Love is not irritable. It does not get irritable. is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always helpful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless but love will last forever. Now, Our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of a whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke, I thought, and I reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put childish things, or put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Man, I, going back to some of the things that we're hearing with, you know, our country and and even like, thinking about some of the things that we argue with about each other or some of the the ways that some people can think about other people in the church. And they just seem so childish. They seem like, I don't know, like you hear some of the stuff that's going on, you're like, are we in kindergarten right now? (laughs) Man, when we truly step into the realm of God's love, Right? When we choose to, to 
to accept Jesus in our heart and we say, every day I'm going to stand up and I'm going to live my life for you, Jesus. Fill me with your love so that I can love other people. Fill me with you so that other people can actually see who you are. Let me be able to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and not in my own. When we do that, we put childish ways behind us. We put those things away because we no longer are children in that. We don't, we don't act that way. I mean, like, you know, when, when, obviously Sawyer's not that old yet, so I don't have experience in this. You know, I do watch a lot of teenagers who are crazy sometimes, <laughs> you know, so, so I see things like this. But, but, you know, sometimes you ever been in that situation where you're like, uh, we don't act like that. You know, you see something happen, and you're like, no, we're not going to do that, right? Because it's a childish thing to do. Right? And in that same way, when we find ourselves being selfish, when we find ourselves being irritable, being angry, hating other Christians, when we find that unforgiveness brewing up in our heart, no, we're not going to act like that. Right? Like, like especially in the church. Like, like here's, here's one thing that I hear all the time. Like, you're not supposed to judge other people. Right? You, like, I hear people saying that all the time. Oh, don't judge. You know, you don't be a judging Christian or whatever like that. You know, like, in the Bible, it tells us to judge other Christians. Did you know in the Bible, it tells us to hold other Christians accountable? Right? Like, we should never look at somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, somebody who is a sinner, and look at them and say, you shouldn't be acting like a sinner. Like, how do you expect a sinner to act anything other than a sinner? Right? But when somebody has said, I believe in Jesus and I'm living my life for him, but the evidence is obviously contrary to that, like, no, we don't act like that. I think that that's, like, obviously, do it with love. <laughs> right? Because that's the important thing. Because if you do all of these other things, if you can speak with prophecy and all this stuff and you don't have love, you, you, you got nothing. Okay? You've got nothing to back you. Right? You're writing a check that can't be cashed because you don't have any money in your bank, right? You have to do it with love. But most importantly, I think for us now, we need people who are going to stand up and say we don't act like that. We need people that are, like, start with yourself, right? Obviously, if you don't have it under control, you can't tell somebody else, right? Like in the, in the verse in Matthew, it says, how do you expect to take the speck out of my eye when you have a plank of wood sticking out of yours? Right? That doesn't make any sense, right? And, and in that same way, you know, we have to make sure our, we're clear before we watch other people, right? But, but this is why it's so important. When Pastor Scott was talking about accountability, this is why it's so important because we need to be operating in love, right? And, and part of that is saying, I need to get rid of the stuff that is pushing against that love. I need to get rid of that. So we need to be able to open ourselves to other people and say, hey, I need you to keep me accountable, I need you to ask me the questions that are hard, right? Like if you come into the body of Christ and, and, and you expect to say that you're a Christian and just continue living a lifestyle that is obviously contrary to Christianity, you should expect the people of the church, the other Christians, to come and, and ask you why you're choosing to live your life like that if you've said that you're going to give your life to Jesus. Now, I guess like if you just want to throw it all away and say, no, I don't forget God, like live your life however you want. But if you're going to live your life as a Christian, if you're going to say, I believe in Jesus, if you're going to represent God who is love and everything, there's no room for hatred. There's no room for, for unforgiveness. There's no room for continuing to, to blatantly live in sin and ignore it like it's not there, right? Like We don't act like that, right? And it, it sounds like, I don't know, I, I feel like saying that, that sounds like so like scolding to say it like that. You know, maybe there's a better way that I could say that. But at the same time, it gets the point across, right? We need to be filled with love because without love, there is nothing. There is nothing. Just bringing it back to some practical things like how important is it for your family to see God's love? Now, I, I, look at the, I look at the teenagers and we have great parents in our youth group and, and it's so important because there are some kids that, that they don't actually see what love is supposed to look like. How important is it for you to sometimes sacrifice your selfish desires and say, I'm going to choose love so that your kids can see what love actually looks like? 
how important is it for somebody new coming into the church? We've got a guest coming through the doors. This is their first time. And how important is it for them to walk into a place where God's love has come to full expression through his people who he dwells with? Right? Because if you come into the church and you're like, this is supposed to be a place of love, you know, the church is a good place and you see people arguing with each other or you've been coming and all of a sudden you find out that behind the scenes there's something going on that you didn't know about and it's not, it's dirty and it's, it's, it's hatred, it's, it's, you know, undermining and all that kind of stuff. Like, hey, if this is what Jesus is, then, you know, I thought that it was different. Right? How important is it for us to be that full expression of God's love? So, I'm going to be processing this a lot in the next week, um, you know, and, and just thinking about, like, what are the things in my life that I need to redirect, that I need to prune, you know, or let God prune, right? What are the things that, that I need to, you know, every every time, I'm sure now, especially now that I put all this together and that God's been speaking this to me, and, and every time that I say something that's going to be a little snarky or a little bit, you know, like, you know, casually backhanded or whatever, you know, like, I'm going to be thinking like, ah, man, I got to get that out of my life. I got to be living with love. You know, like, I I pray and I hope that that for all of you guys, you're going to be at the place where, you know, throughout this next week or two or whatever, or forever, (laughs) that anytime something happens, that that this is going to come back to this, come back to these scriptures, not necessarily exactly, uh, you know, the foundation of these scriptures, and you're going to say, man, I got to stop that. You know, put yourself in a place where you're able to forgive or um, ask for forgiveness, rather. One of the hardest things for me to do is be like, hey, I said this in a way that was inappropriate, and I want to apologize for that. I hate doing that. I hate it. <laughs> right? But at the same time, like, I feel like that is something that builds um, relationship on a level that you can't get anywhere else, right? Like choosing to operate in love, and when it doesn't happen, owning that, saying like, this was not right of me, and I want to apologize because I'm trying to live my life through the love of God. I want to be the full expression of who God is. I want to be God's love, and that's not along those lines, we got to be in a place where as an entire church, we can come together and say, we choose love and we, we choose not to act childish. You know, we choose love and, and, and we're going to come together in love and we're going to be sent out in love, right? In our workplaces, with the people around us, everything that's happening, we're going to choose love and we're going to choose not to act like that, <laughs> you know, when it's the things that we're not supposed to do. So um, that's all I have for you guys. Um, I'm going to close in prayer and then we can be dismissed. So... Lord, I thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. God, everything that I talked about in First uh, in John there about you sending your son and, and truly showing us what real love is, God. I pray that you would um, transform us, God, transform our minds by renewing, you know, renew us by changing the way that we think, Lord, just like it says in Romans, God. Um, really, truly change our perspective on what love is, God. And, and when we see all these things in this world that we live in, God, I pray that we would know that that is not what love actually is, but it is you. You are love. God, and I pray that everything that we do, we would act in love. And in those times where we're dealing with something that we shouldn't be, God, I pray that you would convict us and and lovingly bring us back into alignment with you, God. God, because there's nothing more powerful than you and your love becoming to full expression in us, God. I, I pray that we would just be sent out in your love to see so many people be saved, so many people be changed, God. Lord, that our witnessing would be showing your love rather than trying to talk or argue or, or, or prove, God. Lord, I pray that we would just be able to show your love, God, and that people would be able to be uh, completely radically changed and, and that they would see how much they need you, God. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, pour out your love on this church, on all of our members and all the people involved here. Lord, I pray that we would be a, a church that is defined by your love, God. Lord, I pray that we would see a, a harvest of souls, God, and it would all be for the name of your love, for you, God, for your glory. We pray this all in your name. Amen. All right, thanks for letting me talk tonight, guys. We will see you on Sunday. Okay.
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we did that uh, in January, January to February. Uh, it was four weeks, and th- this actually goes along with kind of what I was saying uh, with some of the media stuff. Um, so we did four weeks of no media at all. And so it wasn't just like, hey, don't look at Facebook for four weeks. It was like you're not allowed to listen to the radio. You can't watch TV. You can't play video games. You can't use any type of social media. You can't watch YouTube. You can't, like, it was a full media fast, right? Um, and and it was very interesting. Like, I, I could share my perspective better than the teenagers. But, like, uh, for the teenagers, it was it was you know, hard for some of them. And some of them are like, no, I'm not going to do that. And some of which, which I never asked them to do it. Right. I say, this is what I'm going to do. If you do this with me, you're going to be in a different place with God. Right. And, uh, we do like, we're, we're going go-karting on Saturday for everybody that actually made it through and followed all of the things. And they also had a reading plan. They had to read all of, uh, Psalms and Proverbs. And then there was another devotional during that month or, well, 28 days, uh, and then uh, they also had to choose um, some type of a food item to fast. Um, so, like, I gave up soda for the, the four weeks, which is hard because I love Mountain Dew. Um, and so so it really was just, like, some a, a way to, I don't know, kickstart the beginning of the year and get ourselves in the right place. And, and, uh, and for me, man, it was like, you know, going those four weeks, specifically from the side of, you know, all the negative stuff that's going on, like, I went all that time, and I didn't hear anything about what was happening with the wall in Mexico or, you know, like, any of that stuff. And and really, it was just, like, my mind was on God, but it was also on the people that were in my life, right? And, and I think that's something that, like, comes with social media that we think that we actually know what's going on in somebody's life, but we don't really. Or we have this false sense of caring about somebody that that is that they don't even know about, right? You can see something on Facebook, you know, um, that's happening, you know, and I know, like, just to use, you know, Shelby's accident as an example, um, you know, there could be a lot of you that looked at that and said, oh, man, I, re- I really feel bad for Shelby, and I hope that she's doing okay, or, and stuff like that, um, but unless you actually talk to her about it, she doesn't know that you're feeling that way, you know, and, and there's a lot of different situations like that, and so, so I was like, you know, when you actually call somebody on the phone or you text them rather than just looking at look what's going on on their Facebook feed or whatever, um, you have conversations and you get to know people, and it promotes a relationship where you get to show Jesus, right? And and I really think that that was one of the biggest things. Is like you've got relationships in your life that you are not caring for very well because you're choosing to either spend your time with other things like video games or YouTube or Netflix or, you know, whatever that is. Um, So you've got that. Or you think that you have a relationship with people that you don't actually have, right? And going back to this, that does not promote an environment for God's love to come to full expression. Um, So so it was really healthy for me. And then coming back out of it, like, obviously, I'm still going to, you know, I I don't know. I I haven't posted on Facebook in, like, three months, but, you know, which is okay with me, you know. Um, because, like, you come out of that, and you're like, yeah, I just don't need, like, I think I reinstalled Facebook that first day, and I saw that I had, like, 60 notifications, and I, like, opened it up, and I was like, nah, and I just closed it all, and I, I never read any of them, uh, and it was cool. I was okay with that, you know, um, because what really matters is the, the actual relationships that you have with the people around you, right, and especially when it comes to discipleship, accountability, um, witnessing, like, all of those things, like, Man, like, Facebook is cool and all that we're so connected now. But I, I heard somebody say once that we're more connected than we ever have been before, but yet it seems like we're further apart than we ever have been before. Right? So so bring it back to having real relationships with people so that you can show God's love to them. Right? So that you can help hold each other. As Christians, you can hold each other accountable uh, so that you can be filled with God's love together. Like, as a collective church, not just this building or, you know, meeting on Sundays or Wednesdays, right? But the church as a, as a people, you know, be connected with each other, right? So, I don't know, is that good? Cool. Um, I'm trying to remember how many started. I don't remember. We have, we have 12 that finished it all the way through. Um, and some of them started and didn't finish. Some of them chose to do it partially, rather than doing the, the whole thing. So they're like, I'm going to give up this. You know, I know I'm not going to be a part of the, the full thing, but I'm still going to give up this. So, so we had more than that do it, 
Um, but yeah, we had 12 that finished all the way through and I, I made it like really hard. You know, I was like, you know, not trying to make it light because I have to pay for everyone to go go-karting. So, <laughs> um, and, and, uh, unless we have fireworks stand, we're, we're not going to be it next year, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, we had we had a, a good group. I'm always surprised because there are some students that you think like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna be rock stars at this, right? And uh, and then they don't finish. And then you have some students that you're like, I didn't think that you'd make it all the way through, but you did. You know, good for you. Um, and so yeah, it was cool. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that really is that that's exactly what fasting is. It's like there's supposed to be that sacrifice there. Right. Like there's nothing, you know, like obviously you, you have to be taking that out so that you can fill it with the spirit. Right. And then also if you're fasting without putting God in, you're just starving yourself. You know, there's nothing there's nothing spiritually beneficial about not eating. You know, um, it's that sacrifice and everything. And, and it's good because like. You know, it teaches students that there's power behind that. You know, I, I know for me, like there's been a couple times in my life where where I've specifically fasted for something. Now, now I try to fast every once in a while just to just to spend time with God, right? But um, there have been times where I fasted for something specific, you know, because of a situation that was going on in my life, and God has answered in a big way. And and to know, like, when I'm going through a hard time, like I need to I need to dig in. You know, I need to like I know I already feel like I'm hurting in this situation, but but I need to let go of whatever's going on because God is the thing that actually matters. So, yeah. Anybody else? <laughs> cool. All right. Well, you guys can be dismissed. We'll see you on Sunday. <laughs>